Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today we're covering Joshua 21, 22, Psalms 107, and Acts 18. And I'm actually going to start with Psalms 107. Um, gosh, you know, I have to tell you, the previous times that I've written read the Psalms, or when I would just pick a Psalms to read, I didn't fully understand or I didn't feel the impact because I didn't have the whole backstory. And this is this is one of those books that I didn't really understand, but or one of the chapters. But but listen to this. And by the way, we're on book five of Psalms. So Psalms is divided up into five different books. They call it the Torah or the Pentateuch, P-E-N-T-A-T-E-U-C-H. So it's the first, it represents the first five books of the Bible. And yeah, it's just like a, like a mirror image of the first five books of the Bible. So now we are in book five and it starts like this. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. So then this chapter, chapter 107 of Psalms, and I was kind of reading through it and looking at the sections and I found five, maybe six, the last one's kind of fuzzy to me, different like summaries or analysis of the the people and their cycle. Remember we talked about the cycle that they're doing? Now, it's funny because oftentimes I used to read these stories like, well, let me read the story about the Israelites. How does that affect me? It doesn't affect me because it's the Israelites in the olden days. Not exactly true. The Israelites are a representation of just mankind and for us to learn from, to us, for us to see ourselves in, and for us to see God's character. Um, yeah, so here there are five different sections of patterns that I have found. Um, let me just read one or two. So the first one, some wandered in the desert wasteland, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives embedded away. They cried out to the Lord in trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good deeds." Okay, that's one section of the people where they were in, um, well, desert wasteland. That's a representation of how many times in your life are you, do you find yourself in a desert wasteland, just like dry, maybe dry spiritually, maybe dry financially, relationship, whatever. And they find themselves in that way and they're hungry and thirsty and they cry out to God in their trouble and he delivers them from their distress. Then we move down to another one. The second one, verse 10. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. So first of all, They were already in misery because they had disobeyed God's commands, right? 
But when they find themselves in distress, they cry out to God and he saves them in their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze. Okay, so God has created certain principles in this world, certain principles in the spirit realm, and in the physical realm as well, that we are to follow. And he doesn't do it to make us miserable. He does it to make us have the fruits of the spirit. But some reason, we get tempted, distracted, complacent, really. That's what happened to the Israelites. You know, God would give them so much. They would take it for granted, get complacent, get distracted, and they'd sin. And then they would be just like it says right here in the Psalms. They would be in total desert wasteland or in darkness, utter darkness. And then they would be suffering and then they would cry out to God with repentance and he would hear their cry and he would save them from their distress. And then they would give glory to God, praise him, and then get complacent again. It's the same circle, same circle. So there's that section and then there's another section. Oh my gosh. Verse 17, some became fools through their their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. So, it happened again in that section. And then it happened again in verse 27. They cry, and then again, and then verse 28, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for his mankind. You see the cycle? And then again, it happened on the fifth time. Um, but then the last verse, let the one who is wise heed the these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. So the purpose of the Psalms is to show you the cycle, the cycle, the cycle. And I say that because as we're going to go back, so we're going to go backwards to Joshua 21 and 22. So in verse, in chapter 21, um, so yes, all the lands were distributed to those who inherited land. The Levites, the descendants of of Aaron, I believe, um, they they are going to they don't receive any inheritance of land, but they're going to receive towns. So they go to Joshua and the priests and say, "Okay, the Lord said He had commanded the Israelites that um, the Israelites gave the Levites the following towns." Okay, so then. Chapter 21 is a whole list of all the towns that were given to the Levites so that they can have their livestock and live in these towns. But remember, the biggest responsibility in these towns was to take care of the um, the people, be the priests, and do all the spiritual stuff in the town. At the end of 21, it says, So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it to settle there. The Lord gave them the rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. No one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. So all is happy, all is well. So now, remember Manasseh and the Reubenites and the Gadites, they said, hey, we want to have this side of the Jordan before they cross the Jordan River. And um, Joshua said, okay, 
You can have half of your people live here, but your fighting men have to come and help us, help the Israelites take over land when we cross the Jordan. That's exactly what they said they did. So now that everyone has their inheritance, the Reubenites and the half of the Manasseh tribe and the Gadites said, okay, it's time for us to go back to the other side of the Jordan where we left our families and the land that's, that we inherited. And they've been given their blessing. And here is also what Joshua said. He said to them, but be very careful to keep the command, commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. So number one, keep the commandments. Let's keep it simple right now. And just for, for simplicity's sake, let's say he's saying, keep the Ten Commandments that Moses gave you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Okay, it's not that difficult just that's why I keep it simple with the Ten Commandments for now. Just like keep the Ten Commandments, um, walk with God, serve Him with your heart and with your soul, with all your heart and with all your soul, right? Okay, I'm I'm kind of like pausing here because what's with the cycle? Why do they keep getting distracted? It's like I'm really pointing out this pattern simply because work. I believe that our country, the United States, is kind of like the Israelites. We are so blessed. And our enemies all around us can't, just like it said in verse 43, that the enemies um, just basically couldn't stand up against the Israelites at this point. Um, just like most of the countries can't stand up against the United States. However... However, when they don't keep the commands, they don't walk in obedience to God, they don't walk close, fast, close to God, and they don't serve him with all their heart and their soul. They get distracted. They get complacent. They get comfortable. They start to compromise. Are we not doing that in this culture? We're totally doing that. Constantly compromising. But are we repenting and crying out to God and then so that he can hear our cry and rescue us from our distress. Individually, we can do that. And then collectively as a community, as a country. Um, and as I go into chapter 22, I'm going to explain that because those groups, those tribes that were back, going back over the Jordan, when they went, they built an altar. And when the other Israelite tribes heard about this, they freaked out. They said, why, why would the, um, these Manasseh and Reubenites and Gandites, why would they build an altar? No, 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 we're all going to be punished, right? The whole Israelite people are going to be punished because of their behavior of creating an altar. So they gathered all these, like their army, they were going to go attack their own people because they were so desperate to not disobey. So when they found him, they said, if you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow, he will be angry with the whole community of Israel. Um, but they said, no, 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 wait up, wait up, wait up. We, <laughs> right here, 
Verse 26, let us get ready and build an altar, but not for burnt offerings and sacrifices. On the contrary, it is to be written between us and you and the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offering, sacrifices and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say you have no share in the Lord. The reason they said that is because we believe that the Jordan is separating the main Israelite people from the um, the Manasseh tribe and the Reubenites and the Gadites. So they're saying, right here, we're going to build this like remembrance altar, not an not an altar to worship, not an altar to do burnt offering, because obviously only you can only do that at the um, at the tabernacle, but it's a remembrance for generations to come that we are. We are like one body, even though the Jordan River separates us. We are still one body. So the rest of the tribe of Israel is like, okay, okay, that's pretty good. And they left and they were satisfied. And the Reubenites and the Gadites gave the altar this name. The name is a witness between us that the Lord is God. Oh, that's so good. Okay, let's see how it connects with Psalms. Oh, I hope you can see that because it's such a... Wow, so beautiful. Okay, we're going to move on to Acts 18, where Paul is still on his journey. Now he's in Corinth. So Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. And he met a Jew named Aquila and his wife, oh, he's, um, and his wife, Priscilla, um, who had recently come from Italy because Claudius, I guess he's the head guy of Italy, had ordered the Jews to leave Rome. So there you have it. It's a little bit of history. What's cool about when the Bible does this is you can make reference to historical things and say, and it just really reinforces the accuracy. Um, and that's why it's so beautiful to have a map out and you can kind of chart his path because Paul, he moves fast. Even though he stays a year and a half in Corinth, when he moves, he moves quick. So he's preaching to the, um, he's trying to preach to the Jews and the um, Gentiles, but the Jews weren't having it. So Paul, with his little temper that he has, he shook out his clothes in protest and he said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. So sounds like he was pretty irritated with them. But the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. He said, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. So he continued to teach um, and get persecuted. After he went from Corinth, he left and he sailed to Syria. And there, and he also, Priscilla and Aquila also went with him. Don't know why. And he also, it's funny, there's also a verse here saying he got a haircut. Why is that important? Oh, there's a little side note. Hold on. Paul evidently made a temporary Nazarite vow, which included a commitment not to cut his hair during the entire period of his vow <laughs> and ended with shaving of his hair. So that's why that verse is there, because apparently he made a vow, a Nazarite vow. That's so interesting. Okay, so then he sailed to Ephesus and he landed in Sisera and he went back to Jerusalem and Antioch. 
and just to really be there to encourage the apostles and just to keep preaching around um, and just to encourage the people. And they're mentioning another Jew. His name is Apollos, Apollos, a native of Alexandria who came to Ephesus. And he was a very good speaker. So when Apollos went... Okay, so now he wants to travel to... Oh man, these names are so difficult. Apollos wanted to go to A C H A I A. <laughs> Anyways, so he wanted to go to this new area. And they sent word that this guy is a great communicator. So he was welcomed when he got there. And sure enough, he was very vigorous at refuting his Jewish opponents in the public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Here's the point. And here was their ministry. They didn't just go in and and say something new. Yes, it was the idea of Jesus being the Messiah is new, but not really. All he was pointing out was, you guys keep reading the Psalms. You guys keep reading them, um, the book of Isaiah. You guys keep preaching this stuff in the synagogue, waiting for this Messiah. What I'm telling you is the Messiah is Jesus. And here is proof from the scriptures. That's what they were doing. They were basically trying to like, oh, hello, wake up the people. Again, you can, I don't know if you can feel such great correlation. Just like the people of our country, we need to wake them up because they're so blinded. And that's what these disciples were trying to do in their ministry is wake up the people to the fact that the Messiah is Jesus. So good. That was Joshua 21, 22. Psalms 107 and Acts 18.